Let's free associate. I want you to name two people in your life that you cringe when you think about them. I'm not talking about being self-righteous. I'm just talking about honestly how you think when you think of these two people. They are a pain in your neck. How How about the person you would rather not be around? Do you have a person, do you have a couple of people in your mind, a friend, a church member, a relative? I'm sure you do. We're imperfect people living in an imperfect world. We rub people the wrong way. Some people, their personality. My personality rubs some people the wrong way. I understand that. You have your favorite podcasters. You have your favorite preachers, your favorite singers, your favorite people, your favorite friends. All people are not created equally. We are created differently. And sometimes you will run into people where you are in a a confined context for an extended period, like on the job, maybe in a church, maybe at school. It could be in your home. I don't want to stir up a lot of bad things for you and, and make this difficult, but I want to help you. And that's why I titled the podcast, Here is Some Motivation to Love That Pain in Your Neck. Do you have a person in mind? I'm sure you do. Great. If you want to read this article, you can go to our website, rickthomas.net. It's titled again, Here is Some Motivation to Love That Pain in Your Neck. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive. All of the Your Daily Drive articles are in podcast format. All the ones that I write, that is. We have guest writers. I don't put theirs in podcast. It's just more work for for me to do, but I put mine in audio so that you can listen to them. And so if you're looking for a podcast for a specific article, just get the article. Pull up the article and you can you'll find the podcast. It is, it is embedded inside all of my your all of my articles. Now, if you want to listen to Life Over Coffee, well, we have a drop-down in the navigation bar that will pull up all of those podcasts. Life Over Coffee is a topical series that I do on all sorts of things. It just depends on what is happening or the questions that people ask me. Sometimes I interview folks. It's different things, and so it's really an eclectic mix from that perspective. Your Daily Drive are the articles that I write. Now, if you have questions that you want to ask, maybe your pain in the neck that you need some help with that individual, well, we do that too. We provide advice for people, and you're welcome to come to our ministry and ask the questions that you want to ask, and it would be a joy to serve you. I'm doing this podcast on Halloween, October the 31st, 2019, And this is the day that we launched our fifth gen, maybe. I've lost track, to be honest with you. I think our fifth generation website. This has been our most massive project to date. We started around March the 1st, and and we finished October the 31st. And actually, we're not finished. We launched the website on Halloween. For whatever reason, maybe there's some irony here. It's trick-or-treat. It's probably going to be, well, I know it's both of those things because whenever you launch a website, 
you find broken stuff all over the place. And so we have been spending our day, we'll probably be spending the next couple of weeks finding those things, and you will help us find those things so that we can make sure that all the parts are playing nicely together and they're talking to each other and they're they're getting along, kind of like this podcast that I'm sharing with you about that pain in the neck. Sometimes our plugins and, and other pieces of software, when they all come together in a new website, they don't play well together. And so we'll spend the next couple of weeks uh, fixing these things, finding them. I do appreciate your patience as we go through this process it has been an it has been a it has been a challenge i'll just say it that way but i thank god that the podcast i mean that the website is complete the house is built and now once we make all these uh, refining repairs then we will have the ability for virtually unlimited expandability and that is what I am so excited about because it has really been a beast to try to to interact with the traffic and to serve you all in the little house that we had before. I never realized when I started the ministry 11 years ago that it would become a, a humongous sanctification center in cyberspace. I was just, on July the 3rd, 2008, I was just writing a blog article. Didn't know anything about podcasting and infographics and videos and and all of that. I just thought it would be something simple, but it has truly morphed into something gigantic and we keep outgrowing ourselves, which is why it was vital for us to build a, a bigger website that would not only be able to house all the resources that, that we have. We have over, uh, we have right at 7,000 free members who come to us. We have 7,000 free members. That's just inside our, our website. That doesn't speak to uh, the folks that are on all the folks on social media platforms, uh, we have a lot of resources as well. And so our house was kind of bulging at the seams. And I thank God for LEP uh, Design, uh, uh, LEP uh, website developers who have been working with us for the virtually all of this year and will be with them more than likely in different ways to the end of the year because it was such a, a massive project. If you do find things on our website that need uh, tweaking, please let us know. We will get to it, I promise you. I do want to thank Ben, uh, who recently became a $5 monthly supporting member because Ben is the one that's paying our bills. He is the one that's helping us to build this website, and I wanted to thank him personally as well as Tish, who is a $5 recurring member. Lisa is a $10 monthly member. Catherine is $5 a month. Bill is $50 a year. And Michelle, who just came uh, became a member yesterday, I believe. She is a $5 monthly member. And I wanted to thank you for doing that because it takes a lot of time to create these resources and and it is most definitely a full-time job and so we depend on these individuals to help us and i don't want to ignore them i want to thank them michelle and bill and catherine and lisa tish and ben and the many others who help us on a monthly and annual basis thank you so much and so i'm excited about the website and i want you to 
to come jump on it and and again please ask whatever questions or let us know what we need to fix and repair and we're open to ideas uh, we're uh, if you have some to make our website better i think we can if it works for us i think there's possible there's a lot of possibilities here that we can expand our ministry and be able to serve the folks who come to us more effectively now let's get back to this article now if you want to read it it's a super short article and i would love for you to read it that would be great the title of it again is here is some motivation to love that pain in your neck and so you have that person in your mind i want to give you some motivation here it is i want you to go serve them go and give your life for them helping others is at the heart of the gospel one of my favorite verses in the entire new testament is mark 10 45 jesus said i didn't come here to to be served but to serve go and give your life for them the non-serving christian is an oxymoron not not only 1045 of Mark, but you know the text in Philippians 2, counting others more significantly than yourself. You know the two great commandments, to love God and to love others more than yourself. You see the antithesis of this throughout the Bible. In Luke 18, the man standing in the temple looking down on another individual, thanking God that he is not like that person you also see in Matthew 18, where the person who was forgiven so much went out and beat up the pain in his neck who did not owe nearly what the forgiven person owed his master. I want you to think about Jesus and the kind of people that surrounded him. Jesus came for the worst kind of people. One of the texts of Scripture is in Romans 3, 10, 11, and 12. Paul had some very harsh language as he began to describe you and me. He said, There is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. It, it was Honestly, it, were, it was some of these texts that the Lord used uh, that led me to the point of salvation because when I began to read the Bible, I, I, began, I was learning quickly that the Bible is not a flattering book. I was into a lot of PMA, PMA books, positive mental attitude, a lot of entrepreneurial books that, that told us to go fight and win and to think and grow rich and the magic of thinking big and and all of these type books that they pumped me up and told me how great, how great I am. And then as I began to read the Bible in the late uh, 1984, I began to learn that there's another story. And Paul wrote some strong language when he talked about the human condition. And when it came to Jesus, well, he sought the baddest, the, baddest, the worst, the lowest, and the helpless. He did not look for righteous people. He didn't look for the best. He didn't look for the noblest. An excellent question for you to ask is, which group did you belong to when Jesus found you? Well, I know the answer to that question. If God saved you, then it was the worst possible group because he did not come for righteous people. 
In Luke 5.32, Jesus said this. Here's a quote. I, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so when I asked the question about what kind of people did Jesus surround himself well, it was the baddest, the worst, the lowest, the, the sick, the unrighteous. Those were his people. Paul understood this, this concept. In fact, he said in 1 Timothy 1 that he was the foremost sinner. When he scanned the scene and he looked at all of his peeps, he concluded that, that he was the foremost, that he was the chief. He was the worst of all. In his mind, there was not a worse sinner in the room than what he was. Then God grabbed him by showing mercy to him. Now, Paul went on to say that in 1 Timothy. The saying is trustworthy, Paul was talking here, and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Verse 16, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as in an example. This is what he talked about also in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, that we have this treasure in jars of clay. God does not complete, compete with us. He, he puts the treasure in broken pots. He, he put the power of the gospel in the foremost sinner. This is the antithesis. This is how God wants us to live our lives so that when anyone looks at us, they see the glory of God. They see the power of God working in us because we are nothing to look at. And so when God grabbed you, did he grab you? If he did, you were the worst of the worst, and he showed you mercy. If you have been born a second time, you are the recipient of the greatest act of undeserved love ever known to anyone. Jesus Christ in human form died for you. He became your suffering, dying servant. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten Son. You who were undeserving received the transformative love, affection, and life of another person. Jesus became a slave to the regenerated. It is important that you have this gospel picture. I'm trying to be careful here. I want to be articulate. I want to give you scripture because I want you, when you look at the canvas, when you look at the painting, I want you to see the gospel with, with as much clarity as you can. This is what it means to be gospel-centered because that has to be your launching point, your starting point, your presupposition. Now, with the gospel as your presupposition, go back to that person with whom you struggle. Here is what I recommend in those times of frustration with them. Remind yourself that you were an enemy of God. I want you to think about the gospel and what Christ did for you. I'll give you 10 very brief points as we put more brush strokes on that gospel canvas. Number one, he pursued your wicked and undeserving soul. Number two, he gave up his life for you. Number three, he shed his blood for you. Number four, he forgave you of all your wickedness. Number five, he cleaned you up and placed you on solid rock. Number six, 
He never holds your past against you. You could also add, he never holds your present or your future against you. Number seven, he changed your evil ways and bad attitudes. We're talking about transformation here. Number eight, he gave you the spirit to go with you because you can't make it alone. Number nine, he gave you a promise that though you are not worthy and utterly incapable of finishing the race, he will take you to a favorable conclusion, as Paul said in Philippians 1.6, for I am sure of this. Do you hear the confidence of the great apostle? I am so sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are 10 talking points that are invaluable as you put more and more gospel brushstrokes on your gospel canvas. As a result of his work, all of this is your inheritance. You are a person who did not deserve such mercy. You are an enemy of God whom he pursued. These truths are part of what it means to think in a gospel-centered way. Because of the gospel, you have the extraordinary privilege of going and being Jesus to others, even that pain in the neck. May the power of the gospel control and manage you as you give yourself to others. One of the most instru- <clears throat> excuse me, one of the most instrumental individuals in my life was a man named Buzz Becker. He passed away a number of years ago, and uh, we did some discipleship work for a, a season, and I'm not sure if, if I helped all that much, but I benefited richly by being around him. So many stories that I could tell, but here is one. He had this way, this saying, and it went something like this, who can you be Jesus to today? Can you go be Jesus to somebody? It's a really simple thing, and it's really the big idea that I'm communicating here. See, I know that you have a pain in the neck, in your mind. You have that person in your mind. But but the point that I'm trying to make here is that we all were pains in the neck of Jesus. And Jesus came to us. He became Jesus to us. He was Jesus for us. And he redeemed us, and he wants us to go and be Jesus to others. And as, as Buzz used to say, who can you be Jesus to today? It doesn't mean always, every time, the people that you get along with perfectly. No, sometimes there were people who are a challenge to enjoy, a challenge to get along with. But because of the gospel, we have the power resident in us. We have God's word that guides us. We have the spirit of God that illuminates us. We have sovereign God who is ruling over us. We, we are perfectly safe to go and to be Jesus to, to other people. And that is, well, that is how we are to respond to the pain in your neck. And I have given you the motivation. And so now here's your call to action. I want to do the call to action just a little bit differently here in this podcast, and I'm going to begin it by asking a question that I anticipate. I'll just give you the question, and then I'll explain my reasoning behind it. Here's the question. No one's asked me this question, but I know they will. Rick, are you saying that I should submit to an abusive person? The reason that I am stating that here is because I live on or 
under, I, I live in the underbelly of Christianity. I live on the dark side. I live in that place where the nice, clean, sophisticated Christians don't go. I live in that place where the hurting and the broken and, and the abused are. And I know, and because I've been there for so long, I mean, we're talking decades now, that I can anticipate how people are going to respond to things. It's not that difficult to anticipate how people are going to respond to the things that you're going to say. And I know that as I was writing this article, I can hear people saying, I'm talking about abused people, people who have, who have had horrific circumstances. I can hear them misreading what I am saying. And that's why I want to take time in this podcast to identify this problem. Somebody, I promise you, I'm doing the podcast now. You haven't heard it yet because I'm talking to the trees out in my front yard. But when I finish post-production and I upload it and this podcast drops, you're going to hear it. People are going to read this article and somebody will say some version Rick, are you saying that I should submit to an abusive person? To which I want to say to them, the more vital question is, why would you think that you should? What has happened to you that you take a, an article that I've written out here or a podcast like this and you map your horrific experience over it to where you can't think with clarity? That is a significant problem, not just for abused people. But there are a lot of people that think this way. There, there are triggers in podcasts or articles like this, especially when you start talking about submission or, or serving or being Jesus to another, or a pain in the neck or a difficult person. When people hear things like that, some of them, because there are so many who have had such horrific circumstances that it's hard for them to think with clarity, and what they do is they bring all their experience. It comes flooding back for them. If that is where you are tempted to go with this podcast, I appeal to you to find help. I really do. You need to find help. If the first thing out of the gate is thinking about your horrific experience, rather than the freedom that, that Christ has given us to go be him to other people, I appeal to you to find help. This podcast is merely a take on all the one another's in the New Testament. There are over 30 one another's, honoring one another, respecting one another, considering one another, loving one another. There are so many one another's in the New Testament. This podcast is just a take on that. The Bible's appeals are not harsh. They are not unkind. God sets us free from our bondage. But if you're not living in freedom because of what happened to you, let me say it one more time, please. Please find some help. I don't mean it unkindly. I don't mean it harshly. I mean it in a caring way because you are hurting. You're struggling. Because if you're interpreting this podcast and the article that way, then you also place that interpretation on other things as well, and it will begin to disrupt. If it hasn't already, it will disrupt what could be good relationships. And so I, I'm saying these things because inev inevitably, when I talk about serving and submitting to others, folks will misunderstand, and they will make the message mean something that it should not. And so I'm, I'm very sad for any horrible experience that you have had that 
takes away the clarity that you should have, the freedom that God has given to you. If you need some help on this because you're struggling in this way, then let us be Jesus to you. Let us help you so that you can enjoy the freedom that God wants you to have. One of the things that you can do is you can go on our article page and you can, you can read for months. You can study for months. We have hundreds upon hundreds of hours of, of podcasts in addition to these articles and webinars and videos of all kinds. You can receive help. You can also ask us questions directly on our free forums. And so I would appeal to you to do that if if this idea of laying your life down for another person, being Christ to another person, serving others, that that is your heart attitude or should be your heart attitude, if that causes consternation in your soul, then please, please reach out. Uh, you can do it here. It would be ideal if you could talk to your leadership, talk to your small group leader, talk to some competent people within your own church, but whatever it takes, I appeal to you to find help. Now for the rest of you, I say this, how do you need to change toward your annoying or frustrating friend? If that person is in, inside your family, inside your marriage, inside your home, inside your work, inside your church, wherever that individual wherever that individual may be, how do you need to change? What is just one way that you can change? Now, that probably has nothing to do. In fact, I would recommend that it has nothing to do with going to them. If you're just going to do one thing for that annoying person, then I don't recommend going to them as the first thing. What I would recommend is that you begin to address your heart, that you take these words here in this article and the scriptures that are embedded throughout this article. Again, the article is, here is some motivation to love that pain in your neck. I would encourage you to take these words and take these scriptures and let them caress your soul. That, that you let, your, let these words and, and the scripture, just let it run over your mind to filter out these impurities. You want to do that before you go to the person. Because if you go to an annoying person and your heart hasn't been properly adjusted before you talk to the annoying person, then you're not set up at the right, you're not, you're not positioning yourself in the best place. And more than likely, what's going to come out of your heart, it will not be the right things because your heart hasn't been adjusted by the gospel. And so when I ask, what do you need to do towards your annoying and frustrating friend, I hope that your answer is not, well, I need to go to them and have a talk with them. Yes, at some point, you could look at it like mile markers on, on the highway. This is mile one, mile two, mile three, and there's mile markers all the way up the highway. Well, mile marker number one is that you go to your closet, drop to your knees, and you begin to talk to God about these people or this individual, and you ask God to give you biblical pity for them. You begin to address where you were before God regenerated you. You put yourself in the scene of Matthew 18 where the individual was forgiven so much and, and begin to beat up the guy who was forgiven so little. And, and recognize that you are the one who has forgiven so much. And, and because of what God has done for you, you're, you want to be equipped and enabled so that you can show mercy to this person who did not owe nearly as much as you did. 
This is the idea behind Paul's language in 1 Timothy 1.15, that he is the foremost sinner. And if that is how you are positioning your heart and mind, then you are in a great place to now go and talk to that person. But maybe before you do that, Maybe mile marker number two is you sit down with another individual and ask them to give you clarity. None of us have perfect clarity on our own hearts and minds and how we think and our presuppositions and the interpretive grid through how we see life. And so if you have a close friend that you could talk to, let them know. It's not gossip to go and and talk to them about your annoying friend unless you're going in a slandering way, in a gossipy way. But if you're struggling with someone, it is imperative that you get your mind and heart right. Point number one, my marker number one is drop to your knees in your closet. Talk to God. Begin to adjust your heart to the gospel. My marker number two, go to another person and say, hey, you know, this is how I struggle with you. Help me to work through this. This is what this is what counselors do all the time. People come to me. People go to other biblical counselors. Say, I'm struggling with this person, that person. Again, there doesn't have to be anything wrong with that type of conversation if your motives are redemptive. You want to find your Paul. You want to attach yourself to that individual so they can help you so that, that you can move through this life in an unencumbered way because you have companions that you have surrounded yourself with, whether it's prayer, the Word of God, or another individual. And then mile marker number three, you can maybe at this point you can go and talk to the person. If you want to chat to me about this article or anything else for that matter, Please do read the article. I have embedded links in here also. Here is some motivation to love that pain in your neck. I know you have one. We all do. Will the gospel inform you? Will the gospel transform you? Will the gospel give you the motivation that you need to go and talk to that individual? Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.